0: So like, oh, no, homeschool Oh you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, I'm hoping today won't be uh, too weird now that I told those of you that didn't know uh, that I do record this and podcast this. I hope people will still speak up because um, it did look like that might have been a little bit of a shock uh, to a couple of you. So I, ho- I hope they'll still hear more than one voice uh, on, on this recording. Um, so we're in, we're in session three of this book. Uh, it's uh, page 25 of the, the learner Guide, and uh, today we're, we're really focusing in on the word salvation. Uh, for the last few weeks and for a few weeks more, we're really looking at some of the key terms uh, that, that are part of the Christian faith and really exploring those and doing a bit of a deep dive on those. Uh, the passage that you're going to read today uh, is in Romans 3, uh, and it contains one of the most popular uh, verses uh, that, that we often remember. It's Romans 3.23. Uh, anybody remember Romans 3.23 without looking? Just one of those familiar ones? If I gave you some help, for all have. Right? And it's one of those, right? As soon as I said the first word, everybody just starts rattling it off. It is one of those uh, frequent visitors for us uh, when we're talking about sharing our faith. Uh, what we may not remember, though, uh, is that verse 23 is actually a verse that starts with a comma. It's a continuation of verse 22, and it carries on uh, through verse 24. And when you get into a lesson like this where you actually get to read the whole context, it's often helpful for us to understand uh, exactly what Paul was talking about. But it is, 3.23 is one of those quick, short, easy ones. It's a good one to remember when when you're having that debate at work or, or in the classroom or wherever Uh, And someone says, hey, I feel like I'm in good standing. Or if someone says, hey, I feel like I'm going to heaven when I die. Why do you feel that way, right? Um, Sometimes they'll compare themselves to their neighbor and say, well, I'm better than that guy. Uh, And this is a reminder that, you know, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So uh, that's the reason Paul used it. And Paul used it in the context of of faith with a fairly faithful group uh, that were really focused on the law and fulfilling that law, and they were pretty darn good at it. And Paul's telling that group, even you have fallen short of the glory of God. So today we're talking about the word salvation. Uh, We'll do some definition work, we'll read some stuff together, uh, but we typically have an icebreaker question. And the icebreaker question today is, when have you been happy for someone to step in and fix something you couldn't?
1: I got a good one. All right. So it was just a couple, about three, four weeks ago, the first of February. Um, my business partner's one of his sons is getting married in Birmingham, so we're like the whole company's going to display. It worked out that my boss, like the guy that's the majority owner of the company, his wife's gonna ride with us to Birmingham we get, I don't know, a twenty miles south of Montgomery and the car starts lurching and actively Here's the Barrel is giving me the big eyes and the i here. Sunset in the back, just like what that was. <laughs> anyway, long story short, you know, I get on the phone and figure out, well, there's an O'Reilly's in Montgomery, let's go there. And um, Altmaker was going bad, and was a huge, but uh, you know, a little embarrassing with the boss's wife, and Scarlet, So, kick it into logistics mode, figured out somebody else was behind us, so they came and picked her up at least. Took her on the wedding. <laughs> but, going to this O'Reilly's, they have the part, great. Two mechanics are standing there buying a piece of them, some other thing. Great. How much will you charge me to put it on? 140 bucks. I got 136 in my wallet. Will you take it? Sure. <laughs> and two hours later, we're on the road. Yeah. <laughs> i pretty happy to have somebody step in and provide.
0: So if you were in uh, the big church this morning, John said, right time, right place, right? Yeah. <laughs> God can handle these details. There's two mechanics. You were $4 short, but it turned out they didn't need it. <laughs> but, oh man, how about other, other examples? Um, so I, I had some stuff delivered to a new house that we're building uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the people that were delivering that uh, were really poor with logistics and timing. Um, like at one point they told me they were 90 minutes away and I went home, um, got some food, relaxed a while, came back. And when I got back, after about 90 minutes, they said that they were 110 miles away. So either, something was wrong, right? <laughs> uh, and they were supposed to be there on Wednesday, and this was now Saturday night at about 9 p.m. when they actually did show up, and the load of stuff was 8,000 pounds. And uh, luckily, I had a bunch of friends that were just sort of on standby, and are like, well, when they do finally show up, if this is not just some kind of a weird hoax, call me, and we'll come, we'll come running. And I'm sure glad that I had people that I could be stringing along all day. Like, well, they said they were 90 minutes away, you know, and then literally in the dark, we're willing uh, late on a Saturday night. Apparently, you people aren't all that interesting and don't have big plans <laughs> on the town. Uh, but I appreciate you sacrificing them for us. Or, or I would have been, I mean, stuck, right, trying to unload this stuff with these these two drivers that barely found the place, right? Yeah. Um, anybody else have a good, good example of when somebody stepped in and fixed something for you? Yeah? Okay. We don't all have to... It says I'm supposed to wait and let each of you respond. <laughs> we don't have to do that. Uh, let's look at page 26 in your book, and it's that section called Bible Meets Life. And can I get somebody to read that for us, please?
2: Amen. <clears throat> I'm an American but I have Middle Eastern characteristics. so when I was lead, leading a trip to Egypt, it was easy to assume I was a native-born Egyptian. On one occasion, a man walked up to me and immediately began speaking Ara- 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 Arabic Arabic, Arabic. <laughs> He seemed to be in a panic when it became obvious I was confused by his words. I was in a situation I could not resolve and needed a mediator. Thankfully, a translator stepped in and did just that. He served as a go-between and made it the conversation possible mediators are often needed to get two parties on the same page businesses use them legal disputes sometimes call for them and unfortunately many marriages need them when we need reconciliation a mediator can save the day one area where we all need a mediator is in our relationship with god while the egyptian and i were separate separated by language we were separate we are separated from god by our sin it's a rift we cannot fix we desperately need a mediator to step in. Thankfully, God has provided a mediator in Jesus.
0: Have any of you ever used or uh, been a mediator, either in language or in relationship? Has God ever used you in that way? Have you ever needed those services? Yeah. Uh, Marcy went with me one time on a trip to the Netherlands, and because of the hair, I guess, uh, people walked up and, and asked her for directions all day long,
3: um,
0: and she didn't speak their language. She looked the part, right, very similar to this story, uh, but when she would go like this, she, she, she became American immediately, right? I don't know. We never
4: got mediators either. We just kind of like turned around and walked our separate
0: ways. <laughs> uh, mediators can be important, though, and help us understand each other and our, our positions. Um, when I was working in Japan for uh, almost a year, I had someone with me almost all the time. Um, that team spoke English and big air (laughs) quotes. Uh, but often when we were trying to communicate on, on very serious or technical or personal matters, uh, their limited English and my limited Japanese, we, we needed a mediator. And often what I found is that mediator wasn't just translating. They were often uh, doing two things, two words that start with a B uh, that I wrote down in that moment, and that is they were brokering and buffering. Mm-hmm. And brokering and buffering were, were interesting word choices, but they're, it's exactly the role that they were doing. Brokering, kind of like you would have a, a broker that would help you like, sell a house or buy a car or whatever, uh, they were negotiating on my behalf. Uh, they were helping me to understand the rules uh, and then buffering. In some cases, they were taking you know my my strong American approach, uh, and buffering that to the audience. And one of the places where that happened a lot for me was in the, in front of the PMDA, kind of the Japanese version of FDA, where I would I would say something you know American, <laughs> in American English, and then they would say it in the in the form that they wanted it received, uh, which was really interesting. And I, I needed that, or I couldn't have been successful. Um, What about in marriages? Are there ever times when husbands and wives don't speak the same language? They're speaking the same technical language, but sometimes the words don't mean the same thing. Uh, Guys, how about when your wife says she's fine? Is she fine?
3: It often means that something's wrong.
0: Um, my place of business, I didn't realize this. I worked there 16 years. It took me about 10 to realize this, but in Minnesota, where my company's based, if they say the word interesting, hey, that's interesting. It that actually means it's not interesting at all. It means that it stinks. That's the worst idea I've ever heard.
3: <laughs>
0: When someone says interesting, or when I say interesting, I'm actually interested, yeah. right? I'm curious by nature, uh, but up there, that, that means this is stupid. What are we, why are we here? Why are we having a meeting? So you need people to be honest and brokering and buffering and helping you to understand. What about us with God? Uh, do, we, do we understand all of God's plan? No. Do we even understand him as a person, as a, as a being, right? Person would, would be too low. <laughs> We're created in his image, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's like us, right? He's actually quite unlike us. Uh, we, we strive to be like him, but we don't fully understand uh, who he is he gives us uh, signs he tells us through his word Uh, but you know we let's be honest we don't spend a lot of our time trying to explore and to know who he is but then he he sends us this mediator he sends this mediator in the form of Jesus Um, I can tell you all the mediators I've talked about whether it's a marriage counselor or a language interpreter um, are they perfect no there are times where I, kn- I knew enough Japanese to know that when that person translated my stuff, that is not what I said.
4: you
0: <laughs> uh, Yeah, okay. sometimes. Um, you know, and sometimes you know when you hear your name, that <laughs> you're being talked about,
3: That's right? right?
0: Um, so they're not perfect. Uh, what about a marriage counselor, right? You know, you guys have been married 20 years, you go in you, you talk to a marriage counselor or a pastor about an issue that you're having. Do they always get it right? No. What about, what, so in, in choosing Jesus to be this mediator for us, um, God didn't give us somebody that was just average. He didn't give us somebody that was going to misinterpret uh, what we mean. He wasn't going to mistranslate uh, something that we say. Uh, Jesus is working on our behalf in such a way that he understands how we feel, think, act, what we say, uh, even when all we're doing is groaning he said he can translate the groans of our heart um, in into <laughs> words that god understands he's literally serving as a mediator uh, for us and, and there are a lot of interesting scriptures uh, related to that where christ is serving as an intermediary between us and god it's it's a cool thing so today the key word we're focusing in on is the word salvation and if I were to ask you for a definition of the word salvation, what would you come up with? What do you think's in the dictionary? If you if you googled it with it's the word salvation. Bringing, bringing from death to
3: life.
0: From death to life. Okay, so you went you went the straight up biblical version. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to get into the Bible dictionary to, to get that that definition. Yeah, that's it's a, a great one. Not just the the word choice, the, the word salvation itself. What do you what do you think's in the standard dictionary?
4: Maybe to be saved by something, whatever.
0: Yeah. So there is there, yeah there is an act of of being delivered from something, and that something uh, it, it actually gets it right. It says it's preservation or deliverance from pain, harm, or ruin. Uh, but when you're preserving or you're delivering, there's a preserver. And there's a deliverer, right? There, you know, by, by definition, there has to be uh, something like that happening. And then in the, the, yeah, the Christian dictionary, we get deliverance from sin and its consequences. Um, so that's, that's uh, one of the, the benefits, right? Is not only do we get free from sin, right? The, the, the act of living in sin, but we also get free of its consequences, uh, which, which is uh, an interesting uh, description. Uh, so the setting here, uh, you know, Paul is writing uh, to, to uh, the folks here, and he's saying he's made a strong case that all people are living under sin and they're all accountable before God. Paul turned his attention to the remedy of this universal disease of sin and judgment. Rather than people working or earning salvation through works of the law, which we talked a little bit about earlier, the um, uh, work of the—oh, God—I just lost my place here— uh, <laughs> Rather than earning salvation through works of the law, God, God freely justifies sinners by faith in Christ through his atoning sacrifice. By trusting in the finished work of the cross, sinners exchange their sinful unrighteousness for the complete righteousness of Christ. And that's, and that's why Jesus, the mediator, had to be, has to be perfect. Um, let's look at Romans 3, and we're going to read verses 20 through 22. And will somebody start us off today?
4: Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile.
0: So, starting off in verse 20, the first word is therefore. And what are you supposed to do when there's a therefore? You're supposed to figure out what it's there for, right? Uh, so uh, in, in the, uh, the earlier chapters uh, in, in Romans, uh, Paul is actually talking to a fairly churchy crowd, right? These are law followers. These are people that are uh, upright in their own mind, in their condition before God. Um, and he's just finished his argument. He just put the, the final stamp on it, uh, and then he makes some declarations. And this is very typical of Paul's writings, where he'll build up a... A story where he's convincing people, he provides all the evidence, and then he makes a, a power punch uh, move and says, "Okay, this is how it is from here on." And this we get this in these two verses. He says, "Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's, sights, God's sight by the work of the law; rather, the law of through the law we become conscious of our sin." Um, do you think that was a popular statement? So, when he said that, do you think everybody just stayed quiet? I think there was probably a lot of grumbling whenever uh, the crowd heard this, this statement. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. There were probably a lot of people that are trying to, they're on the fence to where, do I holler out blasphemer or do I think anybody will come with me, right? Or, or is he right, right? And, and we too are supposed to wrestle with these things. Um, Paul asks a rhetorical question at one point. He says, so has the law passed away? And what was his answer to that? He rhetorical questions are ones that don't require answers, but then he asked that and then he answered it. He said, surely not. So he's not declaring that the law has passed away. He's saying that the law does something. And what's, what's that something that the law is supposed to do for us?
2: It helps us realize
0: our sin. Yeah, it makes us aware of our sin. Uh, was the law, uh, is, is the law the standard that we're expected to live by? The answer to that's yes. Um, can you satisfy that standard? The answer to that's no, <laughs> right? And that's, that is the point. Through the law and its standard that we know we can't attain, that's how we become conscious of sin. Then Paul says, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. That, those two words that start that, but now, uh, is, a, is a reference to a decisive point in time. And he's telling not only these people who are in his presence, but he's telling people of all time, from the time he says this, but now, basically, you know the truth. From here, moving forward, you have no excuse. But now, uh, apart from the law the righteousness of God has been made known. It says, to which the law and, pro- and prophets testify. He ties it all back together. He said, we've been building up to this point in time to where I'm literally standing in front of you. And, and from for, for the, the future, right, from these recorded words forward, I'm telling all people to come that the law and prophets all to date have been testifying of this same thing. Um, and then he ends with... Uh, typical again of Paul's writing. If he didn't have them on the edge and didn't have them grumbling a little bit and wondering if what he was saying was true, he ends with, uh, in this section there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. I think they received that. I don't think they'd like to hear that. No. And and So, were the Gentiles under the law? Did they even attempt to live by the law? No. No. No, they weren't given the law. The law was given through Moses, right? Uh, and, and the law came down and was passed out to, to God's people, Jewish people. Uh, Gentiles or all the other people groups of the world, there might have been someone. There's a chance. There might have been someone uh, who had converted and, and uh, had been trying to live under the law, but as a people group. No, generally they were considered pagan. The Jews had themselves here because they were following the law, or at least attempting to. And the Gentiles were ignoring it. right? And then Paul just said, between the two of you, there's no difference. He's brokering, right? He's, he's representing God and helping them understand that in God's sight, there's no difference, right? He's also doing some of that buffering, right? Where he's, he's saying what he knows they don't want to hear, but he's saying it in a way that they're, they haven't decided to stone him, right? Uh, he's not yet been in prison. He's close, <laughs> uh, and he might be flirting with some of that, um, so, one of the questions for us is how do people in our culture determine what's right and what's wrong? I think that's a lot of the problem because well, there are some people that aren't Christians
4: and they just kind of go, we're all good people. Just good do this. For some people, this is okay, and some people, it's not okay, but where do you draw the line? What's the majority of you? Yeah. So, you got
0: majority, Yes, that's a good answer. Mm-hmm. It's populist culture, right? It's popular, it's in, it's cool, must be surely be okay. Uh, what are some of the other ways people judge right and wrong? Well, it feels good.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So it feels good, self satisfying, that, yeah, that, that selfish nature of it, of dealing with our own pride. Uh, there's another one I hear a lot as well, and that is well, if what I'm doing is not hurting anybody else, mm-hmm. what's the big deal? I kind
1: of used to live by that motto when I was younger.
0: Well, and every now and then, if you stop and think about it, you know, mm-hmm. we all kind of are guilty of that from time to time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we, we all sin, and there are times when we justify our sin by, well, I'm not really hurting anybody. Some people are just brave enough to say it outwardly and, and to live it outwardly for all to see, and they're sort of like, what's, what's the big deal? Um, Paul reminded us of what the big deal was whenever he was confronted by Jewish leaders regarding what he ate and what he drank and who he hung out with. Jesus also had these same confrontations where he hung out with sinners, right? Right? And, and he, he used those examples, right? And uh, one of the examples that sticks with me most about lifestyle is when Paul says, regardless of what I believe, regardless of how I, how I act, I'm not going to do something that causes somebody else to stumble. And that's, that's someone admitting that what I do has potential to harm somebody else, even if I don't really think about it, even if I'm not really aware. I need to make sure I'm very careful not to do something that might cause somebody else to stumble, even though I've determined in my own mind with God that this is okay for me. Um, those, those things we need to be watching out for. So uh, the self-satisfying things, the, you know, if it, does, it doesn't harm anybody else, what's the big deal? Um, and then what's, what's popular? You know, be, be on guard for those things. We
4: so, have laws too now, and some things... People think are
0: okay because they're legal. Yeah. But yeah. Hey, so abortion would be one, right? Yeah. Where it's sort of like, oh, okay, you know. In the Christian household of faith, we're like, ooh, that feels detestable to us. But there are people who are like, what's the big deal? It's not against the law. Mm-hmm. Well, and it falls into that category of just because you could doesn't always mean you should. You know, yeah. I don't want to take too simple of a view on
4: some of those you things. It laws and morals. Like yeah.
0: So I'm curious, when did you first hear about the concept of sin and salvation? And does it still work the same way today? So in the era that I grew up, I grew up in what I believe was a church era, uh, where even if um, your family didn't go to church, you might have found yourself there anyway. Um, I actually served, and what my church had was a bus ministry. And we drove around, teams of buses all over town. And a lot of times we're picking up kids whose parents aren't even up yet. But they wanted us to get those kids in church. And I call that kind of a church era. Those kids were exposed to the gospel. They were exposed to church, even though their parents didn't really care to go themselves. Does it still work the same way today? I don't know of any of that going on.
1: Right. It to, I mean, like in, uh, when we were in middle school or primary school, you know, we always had a lesson for them with lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We never or the pledge of allegiance. We never. It was just something we always did. Something we learned. Yeah. It was not out of the norm. Yeah. You know, so nowadays it's, shut. You know, it's
0: something you don't do. Yeah, it feels like it's getting harder to hear about. Maybe not the gospel, right? There's still television and social media and things like that. But when to really understand the concept of sin and salvation and to, and to hear that message and to work through that, it's a, it's a difficult thing. Uh, I wonder if, it's, if it works the same. I wonder if kids today or, or people all ages might be at a disadvantage. In spite of all of the media opportunities, I wonder if there might be less opportunity to really work out these very difficult concepts of life let's flip over to the next section here and this is where we get the popular verse uh, Romans 3.23 and 24 will somebody read that for us please
4: for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus
0: yeah and and that's the part that uh, if you're memorizing 3.23 I would encourage you to memorize 24 along with it uh, because it brings a lot of power. It's not just the reminder that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, but that all are justified freely. Uh, that's the part that it seems that most people uh, that are outside faith right now, that they're struggling with the most. It's not the idea that there's this God that could love them. It's not that they're a sinner, right? Most people realize I'm, I'm not a good person if I'm being morally honest. Um, but that this idea that I could be justified freely Uh, by God's grace, and that the work has already been done. That's the part that I think people are going to wrestle with and really struggle to understand and then receive. So 323, it's easy for us to be pointy, right? (laughs) All all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, But it's that part that's more of the invitation of all are justified freely by his grace that uh, your neighbor, your coworker, your friend might need to hear. Um, do we ever put limitations on God's grace? Are we guilty of that? Anybody got a good example? I don't know if my stomach growl was loud enough that that would have been picked up on the mic, but <laughs> it felt like. Uh, any, anything in your life that you feel unworthy of being uh, redeemed for? <laughs> anything you still harbor guilt of? Um, so we we just admit we're we're all sort of in deplorable condition, right? As as humans, we're rotten by nature. Um, but there are things that we have a hard time giving up. There are a hard time. There are things we have a hard time saying. You know, God's big enough to forgive, uh, or that He forgave it and that He actually forgot it. Uh, there are some things we try to hold on to, and I think when we do that, we actually limit God's grace. We we limit His ability. To minister to us and to, and to relieve us of that, that guilt and pain. Remember, the definition of uh, salvation wasn't just heaven, it was, a, it was a release from the consequences of sin. Right? It's one of those consequences is guilt. Um, you can be relieved of that. Um, don't limit God's grace. Um, verse 24, and one of the reasons why it's so important, is in the midst of humanity's wreck, God stepped in and introduced righteousness to those who believed. Redemption is an act of clearing a debt in order to take possession of something. Remember that that this was a transaction,
3: mm-hmm. right?
0: In in God's view, this was a legal transaction uh, where He paid a price and then He got to redeem you, uh, and He redeemed you in full. That this this was a you know, it was an act of clearing a debt, and He actually took hold of it. He took possession of you. And uh, we all remember the verse, right? We're we're in God's hand, and and nothing can pluck us out of that hand, right? He took possession of you. Allow him to enjoy (laughs) and to show grace to his possession. Uh, This is what Christ did for us. It's through Christ that those who believe are redeemed, the debts paid. Consequently, we were able to take possession of some things, too, forgiveness, freedom, and eternal life. We often want to talk about the eternal life part, we took hold of two other things that are really important as well, that forgiveness that we talked about, but also this freedom uh, to live a life that, that God has designed for us. Let's read this last section, and then we'll, we'll start to wrap up here. Uh, it's a little bit longer, but would somebody read 325 through 28 for us? God
4: presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works. No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law.
0: Yeah, so this, is, uh, this gets really deep, and there's some big words there, and there's not enough time today to, to capture all of this, so I would encourage some self-study uh, in 325 through 328 this week, and, and you, you might have some time <laughs> this week uh, to do it. You might have some time to chat about it over the dinner table uh, with one another as you're, as you're at home. Um, when it says that uh, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, When we say atonement, what does that mean? So, Jews have been making sacrifices of atonement for a long time. Uh, What typically happened in a sacrifice of atonement? Right. Right. Something paid the price in, in your place, and they would use things like sheep. Uh, and they would have shedding of blood and all of that. That, that was required, and that's, that's what atonement meant, is that you know, when they would pour out the blood, the blood covered uh, the sin, and then that animal actually went in your place. Uh, it atoned for you. And it's just a reminder uh, that God made a last and sort of only sacrifice, that all of the old methodology could pass away now uh, because Christ had been sacrificed through this atonement and through the shedding of his blood. Uh, he also talks about, uh, in, in that same verse, he says, uh, he demonstrated this, uh, he demonstrated his righteousness because in his forbearance. What's forbearance? Sometimes we, we hear forbearance as just, we feel like it's just like waiting. It's just holding. Uh, but it's a special kind of holding. Uh, forbearance means patient self-control, restraint and tolerance that literally God's allowing us to get away with something that we don't allow or we're not we shouldn't be able to get away with because he's patiently self-controlled he's tolerating our condition for a period of time have you ever been forbearant toward your children you know they're wrong you know they deserve punishment but you're really hoping that they'll turn it around right why because you love them. You don't want to harm them. But that's that's forbearance. Um, There's another definition, and that's the action of refraining from exercising a legal right, enforcing the payment of a debt. So again, God's looking at this from a legalistic standpoint. You sin, sin's worthy of death, right? That has to be balanced. That has to be justified. But he's being forbearant. Uh, and then, uh, or payment of a debt. If someone owes you money,
3: <laughs>
0: right? You want to collect that debt. But sometimes you, you give them a little extra time. You give them a little extra leeway because you, you ultimately, you, you do it because you love them. Um, so let's, let's start to wrap up here. I know we're short on, on time. Um, but this, this week, and it's on page 32 in your guide Uh, So there's three options, right? Things that you can do this week. Uh, One of those is is to believe and and to turn to God in faith and place your trust in Christ. And I'm looking around the room, and I was like, yeah, I think everybody here's already done that. Um, uh, But, you know, be be an example for somebody else. Uh, Live in such a way uh, that people would also uh, want to believe. Uh, Play that buffering and brokering role, right? Be a mediator for somebody else this week. Uh, Confess. It says examine your life for any boasting uh, about who you are and what you've done. Confess that to God and thank him for his forgiveness. Recognize that anything that you have or do is all from his grace. We might need to do that just about every day. That might even be a good place to start. Lord, today I know that everything that I have and do is all because of your grace. And then proclaim the good news. It's not intended that you keep this for yourself. Identify someone you know that you can share the gospel uh, with this week. I think we'll kind of wrap up there and see if you guys have any additional comments, right? So, uh, yeah, a discussion on salvation uh, with a group that is pretty assured of its salvation. Might, might not feel like a good use of our time, but I hope you got something out of it today that you can turn around and apply. Uh, are there comments, other additions for today? Quiet group today. <laughs> So if you don't know me well if people don't talk I just keep talking and I'm bad about that I need to talk less and you guys need to talk more uh, but when they don't when you don't I'm just ready to go um, any any additional context today no okay well uh, let's wrap